You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Midtown. In this series, we are following Jesus as He calls us to take on His yoke so that we may experience true flourishing. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Matthew 27, 62 through 28, 15. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. So give orders that the tomb may be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal him, and tell the people, He has been raised from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Take guards, Pilate told him. Go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and secured the tomb by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guards. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid. Because I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they went on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this, His disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed, and the story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a joy to be with you all this morning. Uh, for those of you who are first time guests, my name is Jamal and I am one of the pastors here. We are thrilled that you would spend this morning with us. We know that there are many uh, faithful uh, churches that you could have uh, spent your time with. And so we don't take it for granted that you are here. I have the joy of uh, serving you all today just by explaining and applying today's uh, text, and uh, I'm ready to get started in doing that. So let's uh, pray, and then we'll dive straight in. Father, as I think about just one year ago, most of us being at home watching Easter service on television, many of us feeling depleted, anxious, worried about life, and if it will ever return to normal. And even though things have not returned to normal all the way, and even though we all have experienced loss in some way, a lament in some way, we just want to say thank you for allowing us to be in the sanctuary together, celebrating the birth, the, the resurrection of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that your anointing and that your Holy Spirit just have his way in this place, in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, I kind of remember it like yesterday. I was on the campus of Michigan State University. Go green, go white. Amen. No Spartans. All right. We'll talk about that later. And uh, I was just minding my business, walking to campus, and a, a young uh, lady whom I had a, a class with before and, and just knew from being around campus stopped me. And she looked at me and she said, Jamal, help me to understand something. Help me to understand why you are always so happy. Why are you always smiling? It seems like you're in your own world and um, like you're just full of life. And that was a big compliment and a big moment for me because about a year before I was not in that place. About a year before, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. About a year before, I was entangled in sin. I was scheming. I was living life to my own advantage. I was upset at God because I felt like my life had become nothing but loss. I loved basketball, played in high school, got injured, couldn't play anymore. Had two friends who committed suicide experienced a loss, was dating a young lady that I was with for a long time, and we broke up, experienced a loss. And rather than run to Jesus, I ran away from him. And I tried to fill this hole and this, this sense of loss with, with everything I can, with experiences. I tried to, I tried to experience it with, uh, with, with other people. I put my hope and my trust in other things, and I found myself completely depleted, questioning the meaning of life, wondering if I ever truly accepted Jesus and if he loved me. So to hear that young lady essentially explain that when she looks at me or looked at me, that she saw a person who was filled with joy was absolutely marvelous. And here's where we want to go today. As I think about just where we are as Christians and, and Christendom, especially in America, it just seems like a lot of people have lost their joy. Have you scanned social media lately to see some of the conversations that's taking place, to see the rage, the bitterness, the, the tackiness, the, the tit for tack, the, the back and forth, the, the anger? We have to ask ourselves, where is the joy? I mean, Christians, if, if there's anything that we should be known for, it should be joy because we serve a God who is full of joy. One of the fruit or evidences of the Spirit is joy. And what is joy? Joy is an unwavering confidence that God is for us because we are in Christ. Joy is, is something that Christians have even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of, of the worst of circumstances. We can have this confidence in Christ, uh, in God, knowing that Christ is for us. And we can have something that the world, honestly, they, they can't experience. Happiness, yes. Deep pleasure, yes. But joy is something that is truly rooted in God. And God is a God of joy. Over 400 verses in the Bible speak about this joy or rejoicing. 
The gospel account is all about joy from Jesus's birth with the angels to Mary's magnificent, her song. So what Jesus did throughout his ministry as he encountered people and they opened up their hearts, they would leave with joy. And so what has happened to our joy? What has happened to your joy? Today, I want to help us to recover that joy. This Easter, I pray that we would leave this place like Nehemiah saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I pray that you will leave this place uh, feeling like your confidence is rooted in God and in Christ. And because of that, you experience his delight and you delight in him. And in order to experience that joy, in order to, to capture that joy, we have to Set our minds on the resurrection of Jesus. Set our hearts on the resurrections of Jesus. Set our soul on a resurrection of Jesus and and hold on to that and not let go. And that's not just today. We have to learn to practice resurrection every day by reminding ourselves every day that the gospel does not end with Jesus dying on a cross. That the gospel ends or or is is a part of it is is the resurrection of Jesus, that he defeated death, that he's alive and doing well, and that he is going to return again. And we practice that resurrection every day when we remind ourselves in the midst of Satan's lies that the truth buried will always rise again. We remind ourselves when violence comes against our soul that we know the one who is able to heal us. We remind ourselves that God always has the last word. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that, that terrorism, that racism, that sexism, that classism has the last word? Or do you believe that God has the last word? There's two simple points that I want to show you today in today's text. The first is simply this. Joy isn't found in our empty plans. And the second is simply this. Joy is found in the one who emptied the tomb. When we look at today's text, we see that the resurrection account of what the women experienced at uh, the grave of Jesus, or what was formerly the grave, is sandwiched between um, uh, two short stories. And Both of these stories are giving us a picture of people who you think is strong, people who you think has it together. Uh, You see the chief priests who are the religious leaders and the heroes of the day. You see uh, soldiers who are strong. Some of them would have been war tested and war proven. All of them would have been trained to be the most elite army that the world knew and up to that point that the world had known. You also see Pilate, this governor, who thinks that he's in control and he's strong. And they all have an empty plan. And this empty plan is to make sure that Jesus's body does not leave that grave. And they come up with this plan, the Bible says, because the chief priests remembered that part of Jesus's preaching said that he would be persecuted, that he would die, and that on a third day, he would rise again. And so the chief priests, These religious leaders, spiritual leaders, the ones who should have known God, the ones who should have been close to God, the ones who should have been whole, but who are 
actually far away from God, who are actually spiritually sick. They break the law by going to the governor's home on the Sabbath. And they do this because uh, they want to make sure that Jesus's body stays in that grave. And so they concoct a plan and they say, Pilate, listen, they call Jesus a deceiver uh, twice in the text. They said, this man who has deceived uh, before is probably going to try to deceive us again. And if he deceives us again, if, if his body leaves that tomb, um, he's going to be worse to deal with. And his disciples are going to be worse to deal with than before. And Pilate said, OK, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you soldiers, a militia of soldiers. And I'm also going to give you a Roman seal that will help keep that tomb secure. And so, listen, guarding the body of Jesus, you have soldiers, you have a stone, and you have a seal. Soldiers, a stone, and a seal. And these men have a plan, but their plan is empty. Proverbs chapter 14 Verse 12 tells us there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Their way seemed right to them, but their end was leading them to death. And the reason they concocted this whole plan was because they wanted to protect the life that they built. They thought that happiness, they thought that joy was found in their position, which gave them power and authority. They thought that happiness was found in people looking at them and saying, look how righteous they are. They thought that happiness was found by people looking and seeing and thinking that they were the true spiritual ones and that they had it all together. But in them trying to be strong, what they missed is that they were actually weak. In them trying to be wise, what they missed is that they were actually fools. This reminds me of the Garden of Eden. It reminds me of Eve and Adam and how they fell. How they thought that life apart from God could actually give them more than what God gave them. And they had an empty plan that was fueled by empty lies that Satan told them. Here's a question for you. What soldiers... What stones, what seals are guarding your heart today? All of us have these these things that we build around our hearts, whether we're uh, Christians or non-Christians, these things that, that we think will give us security, these things that we think will give us hope, these things that we think will give us joy, whether it's our 401k, whether it's our boyfriend or girlfriend, whether it's a a relationship with a roommate, whether it's our education or our influence. We think that this is what secures us. This is what makes us whole. And we try to keep those things in place so that we can be strong or appear strong. And here's the thing, any plan that does not have God at the center Any plan that does not have Jesus's kingdom first is a empty plan and it will not fulfill you. And I'm telling you, I learned that the hard way. I learned that when I was in college and when my heart was broke and I was grieving and didn't know how to grieve or have the tools to grieve. 
I, I learned that anything else other than Christ at the center of my heart would disappoint. It would give me a surge of experience, a, a temporary high, a temporary feeling. But at the end of the day, when that high went away, when my friends left the room, there was a, a soul emptiness there. There was a, a darkness there, a spiritual black hole that just consumed me and that left me needing the next high, the next word of affirmation, the next experience. And it wasn't until I met Jesus that I began to, to realize that my plans and my life was empty without him. It wasn't until one day I went to a, an university uh, conference and the preacher was preaching and he was telling me about God's love for me and how God is the one who can heal me. And about one third of the way through the sermon, I just remember blocking the preacher out and I began to wrestle with, is this true? Can't God love me? God, I am a mess. God, I am a schemer. God, I have been telling these lies to project a certain thing so that I can get this from people. God, I am wicked. And he preached the gospel about one third of the way through. I don't even remember what he said, but by the end when he gave an altar call, I know I was on my knees and crying out to God, Lord, renew unto me the joy of my salvation. What's your What's your soldier? What's, what's guarding your heart? What's, what's your stone? What, 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 what is said on the, the seal? What's, what's keeping you from Jesus? After this happens, the Bible says right in the middle, we have the resurrection story, which we're going to deal with in a second. We see that they concoct a, a, another plan, and the plan is to lie about what happened. The soldiers go and they run to the chief priest and they tell the chief, chief priest what happened. And I just imagine in my uh, sanctified imagination that they show up to the chief priest and they're scared. Um, they're amazed because uh, of what they see. And the Bible tells us that what they saw was an angel descend from heaven. And the Bible says that the angel was like lightning. Okay. And every time I think about this angel, for some reason, Thor comes to mind. <laughs> and this angel shows up and it's like, Psh. and the Bible says this angel is just so cold blooded. He doesn't even talk to the soldiers. The soldiers are like this. They says that they became as if they're dead. They're not dead. They became as if they're dead. Right. And they, they lay aside and they're watching him. He doesn't even talk to them. He talks to the women the whole time. And so I can imagine I'm telling a story like, to the chief priest, chief priest, oh, this is what happened. This is what went down. We were standing there, we were strong. Rocky, you know how big, how swole he is. He's just chilling, he's watching everything. We're a little hungry, but nobody's complaining. And then all of a sudden, boom, an earthquake happens, lightning happens, Rocky soils on himself a little bit, <laughs> and everything went crazy. And they begin to tell the chief priest, and I just imagine, this is in my sanctified uh, imagination, this is the JSV version, the Jamal Standard version. I just imagine that as the conversation was going on, that the chief priest became nervous. Wait a minute. An angel came. Didn't somebody say something about an angel appearing at the birth of Jesus? No, 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 no. There's no way. There's no way he, he could do this. I mean, wait, he did 
He did raise Lazarus from the dead, but, but he raised Lazarus from the dead. Who's here to raise him from the dead? Like, there's no way he can do this. Wait a minute. He did heal a leper. Wait a minute. He did feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. And all of a sudden, rather than surrender and submit to Jesus, the soldiers that guarded their heart, metaphorically speaking, the stones that guarded their hearts, metaphorically speaking, the seal that, gathered, that guarded their heart, metaphorically speaking, stayed in place because they wanted joy without Jesus. And the whole time Jesus came to his ministry, he was preaching how to find joy. You want joy, he said. You want joy? Be poor in spirit. You want joy? Live a life of, of mourning and lamenting. You want joy, hunger, and thirst after righteousness. You want joy, instead of seeking to be the greatest, become the least. You want joy, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. And by the way, he wasn't talking about Bentleys and mansions. Right before that, he was talking about peace, kingdom peace, kingdom righteousness, kingdom joy. The way in which we find joy is from turning from our empty plans that are centered on us to Christ, believing that he is inviting us to a kingdom that is more beautiful, that is more fulfilling than Disney World or any other kingdom on earth. Second, not only do we see that joy isn't found in empty plans, we see that joy is found and the one who emptied the tomb. Quickly, 28 verse 1, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was like was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Now, check this out. We see that the, the uh, chief priests are going to come up with a plan in verse 15 of chapter 28 that is going to give these soldiers money and tell a story that his body was stolen by the disciples. And Matthew says, since that time, there is a story going throughout all of Israel and the Jewish people that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. So Matthew, when he's telling his story, as he's writing his book, he is going against this narrative that is amongst his people, that this was some type of coup, that this was some type of trick that the disciples came up with. And so to convince and to remind the church and convince those who aren't believers, he's like, I'm going to tell you what really happened. Now notice what happens here. Those who are the stars of the story and the way that Matthew tells the story are not those who are strong. It's not Pilate. It's, it's not the soldiers. It's not the chief priests. It's women. Women. In a Greco-Roman world, women were not allowed to testify. Their testimony wasn't even considered in court because they were seen as second-class citizens, women. And Matthew's like, I'm going to tell you how this went down, and I'm not going to come up with an empty plan or lie. I'm going to tell you the truth. Why? Because the truth buried will always rise again. Here's how it happened. Women were the first to see the empty tomb. Women 
were the first to evangelize and share the good news. Women. Women. And he goes on. And he talks about this earthquake that happened in his angel. And then I love this verse five. And the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. And of course they're afraid. Thor just showed up. Verse six. He is not here for he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where they lay. And for the kids, Thor really didn't show up. It was the angel of the Lord. Thor, <laughs> Thor is a made up figure. All right. <laughs> made up, Josiah. All right. <laughs> Verse seven. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you in verse eight. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. And I, I was wrestling with this week with fear and great joy, trying to think about the experience that they must have had with fear and great joy. And I was thinking about all the times in my life where I had both great joy and fear. Great joy and fear. Graduating college, great joy, fear. I'm going to pay these student loans. <laughs> great joy and fear. Great joy. Great joy. Met a lady about to pop the question, fear. Will she say yes? Great joy and fear. And then I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw these words from a friend of mine. He posted this. Hey, I'm about to be a girl dead. Man, in like three months, this hit me hard today. Happy and scared at the same time. Great joy and fear. What does this mean? What does this mean? The Bible tells us it was multiple Marys that showed up to the tomb. In fact, other gospel accounts, synoptic gospels, mentions another Mary, which more than likely is Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. As they uh, accentuate different parts of the story, just like if we're at a football game and you're on one side, I'm on the other side, we see a big hit. We're going to tell different sides of the story, but get to the same truth. I mean, there was at least three Marys. You go up to chapter 27, verse 51, it was multiple Marys, right? Mary Magdalene, it was Mary, the son of Joseph, then it was Mary, Jesus' mother. Maybe we should rewrite the song, Mary, do you know, and say, Mary's do we know, right? We need a gospel group called Mary, 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 all right? All right, I digress. What was I talking about? All right, so, so they, they see all of this, this happening. They're filled with great joy. Jesus shows up. They run and tell the disciples. All I came to tell you today is this. Joy is found when we place our heart and mind on Jesus and his resurrection. And when every day when we preach the gospel to ourselves, when we make sure we don't stop at the cross, but that we go and tell the story of the empty tomb. When we remind ourselves that violence does not have the wrong word, manipulation does not have the wrong word. Abuse does not have the wrong word. Sin does not have the wrong word. The violence that has been done to us by others does not have the wrong word. Listen to this. The violence that we have done to other people does not have the wrong word. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, there is healing. There is forgiveness. There is reconciliation. There is joy, a joy that the world didn't give and the world cannot take away. 
Joy that is described by the psalmist, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There is peace that passeth all understanding. Whether it's nature that hurts you or nurture that hurts you, there is joy in the resurrected Christ. And here's what amazes me about the story. Bible says that the women see Jesus and they stop, they fall to their face and they hold on to his feet and they worship him. Mm, don't miss that. Don't go past that too, too long. You can spend a whole morning on devotion on that. Look, they held on to his feet, which means that he was physically present. He wasn't spiritually present. This wasn't some mystical appearance. This wasn't a hallucination. He was there in bodily form. That means that Jesus is human, 100% man, but he also was worshipped. For Jewish women to worship anyone would have meant that they would have put themselves at risk to be stoned. Jewish people only worship Yahweh. There is one God, uh, Exodus chapter 6. But yet they are worshipping Jesus. Why are they worshipping Jesus? Because they know that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is not someone like Elijah, someone like John the Baptist, but he is fully God. The one who spoke to the sea and said, peace be still, is the one who defeated death, who got up out of that tomb, threw off those 75 pounds of of spices, came out of the grave. And listen, he didn't need the angel's help to get up out of that tomb. The reason the angel rolled back the tomb was not to help Jesus. The reason the angel rolled back the tomb is so that the women can look in. Y'all don't hear me. Jesus has all power in his hand. And all I came to do today is to stop by and tell you, The key to joy is not your strength. It's not your plan. It's not your intelligence. It's not your ability. It's not your schemes. It does not rest on your shoulders. The key to joy is keeping your eyes on Jesus and embracing your weakness, leading with your weak foot forward, hearing God say, my grace is sufficient for you. The star of this story, the human person that is pointed out most is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. A woman who was demon-possessed with seven demons, the Bible says. Seven to a Jewish person represented the number of completion. It meant that it was perfect. This woman was perfectly possessed. This woman was demonically possessed to the max. What Lil Nas X did this week ain't got nothing on Mary Magdalene. She had some issues. Her issues had issues. She was a violent, angry, demon-possessed woman. And Jesus came and he saved her. He loved her. He redeemed her. He forgave her. And he made her the first evangelist of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Mormonism. He made her the, the first evangelist to share the good news. A woman who would have been seen as crazy and unworthy was the first to see the resurrected Jesus and to preach about him. So don't you tell me that God can't use you because you got a little dirt in the past and because last night you did something that you weren't supposed to do and because you don't know how to cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Don't you tell me that God can't use you if he used Mary Magdalene. Don't you tell me that God can't use you if he used Pastor Jamal. Don't you tell me that God can't resurrect joy in your heart and make your life count in ways that you never would imagine. Because that's what Easter's about. Let the stone roll away. Let the seal be broken. Let the soldiers nap in your heart. Grab hope to the feet of Jesus. 
Worship him every single day. Don't let go. And God will cultivate in you a peace that folks from across the city, when they see you walk and say, what is going on with it? Whatever they drink, and I need that. And of course, you can say, I ain't drinking nothing. That's just water. <laughs> Living water. Amen. <laughs> Amen, Baptist. All right. <laughs> and every Sunday we celebrate Jesus, who he is and what he's done by taking communion. We break bread. The red bread represents the body of Jesus broken for us. We drink wine or juice. The wine or juice represents the blood of Jesus shed for us. This meal reminds us every week that Jesus is a man of his word. He said that he was the Messiah and he proved to be the Messiah. He said that he was going to be taken by the chief priest and persecuted. He was persecuted. He said that he would die. He died. He said that he would defeat death. He defeated death. And listen to this. He said that he's coming back again. And you can bet your bottom dollar that soon and very soon he's going to come back again. Here at Sojourn, we take a wafer which represents the body of Jesus and we eat it. And we drink this juice represents the blood of Jesus. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Christian, you preach like Mary Magdalene. You proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Soldier in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com slash Midtown.